Tennessee Titans talk, Steelers week. Whoa, here we go, baby. This week's been going by so fast, and for once, I'm really thankful because I want nothing more than to just go into a coma after the Texans game, wake up Sunday morning for the Steelers, and it's all that's been on my mind this entire week. <laughs> Absolutely, and it's so great to be 5-0 and and to be playing a team that's 5-0, and but this is a big week anyways, John. This is our biggest rivalry. I know they're not in our division, but we've been Titans fans long enough to just uh, know what the Steelers have cost us over the years, and it's just super fun. Uh, to have a really good villain. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, you know, there is no bigger villain in my life than the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I think I make that pretty known, you know, throughout our time, you know, throughout our entire friendship, the entire city of Pittsburgh. So, you know, I don't like you. <laughs> so, this, for, for context, this, yeah. John grew up in uh, in eastern Pennsylvania and Scranton area. <laughs> and so it's so weird. We've been up there visiting together, and it's like, we think there's a rivalry between Tennessee and Alabama. That's how I would equate it is uh, there's no love lost there. You've never been to the city of Pittsburgh. Uh, you just uh, like, there's not one thing I, you let anyone say good about the city. Nope. Nothing. Don't like it. That's an interesting dynamic to explore. I, I think it goes uh, more beyond just your Titans fandom. And I think it makes it wildly interesting. Well, what's the line on this game, John? So, yeah, current line on the game, we are right now one-point favorites. Uh, earlier in the week, Steelers were one-and-a-half-point favorites, so you're looking at about a two-and-a-half-point swing. So I'm kind of interested in, you know, to see what Vegas is thinking with making us favorites, especially after the announcement of Taylor Luan being out for the rest of the year. Uh, we've had some guys get healthy. They've got some guys banged up. So, I mean, I guess that's what they're ultimately looking at. Um, and maybe we've dealt with all the COVID stuff and we've passed that. Maybe we've gotten our herd immunity. Um, but regardless, I mean, anytime you're favored over a team like the Steelers, it's huge. Yeah, I think the money has obviously been coming in uh, on the Titans more so than the Steelers a little bit. That's moved that two and a half points. That's scary, right, Landon? Because I, that's, not the, that's not where I'd put the line at this game. I'd, I'd go even. If you had the Steelers as one, one and a half favorites, I wouldn't be shocked. And I would probably agree with you. Just on paper, I think – the gap between our defense to their defense is a lot bigger than the gap from our offense to their offense. And they've just been so good. And like you said, Lawan is a bigger loss than Devin Bush for them. Devin Bush is good, but he hasn't played at like an all pro level uh, this year. Their best defensive players are still going to be on that field Sunday. I'd say Devin Bush is at best their third best defender because they have Mika Fitzpatrick and their best player regardless of side of the ball, has been T.J. Watt. And we're going to talk about him a little bit later. So uh, I would agree. Lawan is a bigger loss for us than Devin, Devin Bush, as good as he is. And as important as a linebacking position always is to Pittsburgh. Speaking of injuries, Landon, what, what's the line for us? I know we're recording this on Friday, so we've got hopefully a decent idea of who may play for us. Who's on the report right now? Well, Isaiah Wilson hasn't practiced all week with an illness. John, we were talking earlier, we're expected to get an update on his situation later today, but he's not going to play, which further disappoints. A.J. Brown didn't practice Wednesday or Thursday, but I believe, like last week, it's just a tune-up and rest. He's still got that knee injury. We're just taking it careful, but he looked 100% last week against the Texans. Just give him the rest. Get him healthy. Other than that, we're full strength. Corey Davis and Michael Pruitt have been activated off the COVID list. So our receiver and tight end cores are at full strength. And really the only guy we're going to miss is Adore Jackson, whose status is up in the air. He's been designated to return off the IR, but that doesn't necessarily mean he will play. It just means we have to let him back on the active roster in the next three weeks. 
So once again, Odori Jackson will make or break it for us. What about for the Steelers? Then with Pittsburgh, Mike Hilton, their slot cornerback, one, one of the best slot cornerbacks in the NFL, and Derek Watt, maybe their best special teams player and a fullback. Both haven't practiced all week there. I would put them at a 50-50 shot to play. And if Hilton were out, that would be big because Cameron Sutton is a decent replacement for him, but their cornerbacks haven't been great this year. Mike Hilton's been their best corner. If he's out, just Adam Humphreys is going to cook a lot more. But other than that, they're at full strength. They're expected to get back their star right guard, David DeCastro, who's missed a couple games, and as well as Marquise Pouncey, their center. So they're at full strength. It looks like outside of the obvious exceptions of Devin Bush, who got put on IR for the season. Landon, are we going to get Romo and Nance for this game? I really thought we did on paper. Just none of the other matchups looked that intriguing. But sadly, Nance Romo got 49ers Patriots in the afternoon slot. Which what in the heck? I understand in that they, they must have wanted to got to wine country or golf out there or something. That's absurd. This I, I'm so shocked that they're not there. I think Tony Romo has a warrant out for his arrest in Nashville or something. Yeah, it's something. just it's so frustrating because I understand that analytically looking at the markets, 49ers Patriots with Nance and Romo, it will get a lot of the national attention. And Tyne Steelers is so good already. It's overwhelmingly the majority of the national. TV markets, I believe 88% of TV markets in the U.S. will have Titan Steelers on their CBS viewing. So maybe CBS just decided to play it safe, bump up the viewership of a lesser game. But it's just so frustrating because, like LeBron said, I want my damn respect. I want Tony Romo calling a game against <laughs> two teams yeah. that are 10-0. It's just not right. Reason, I think, works for bad teams, right? So if, uh, like last night, Probably got a pretty good rating. It was Giants and Philly, right? A lot of TV sets, a lot of football viewers. If you put this game on Sunday night, if you were to this Sunday night, it'd be the highest rated football game of the season because rivalries, the Steelers have a national following and Derrick Henry and, like you said, 10 wins, zero losses. It's disappointing. I know there are things in back channels, but I just – sometimes it's so weird, John, that a company that grosses $8 billion a year – and it's so big and so successful, doesn't just do the obvious stuff. The country would just die to see this game. I know we're partial, but give me a break. If I was not a Titans fan, I would watch this game if it was on national TV. Oh, for sure. And I mean, you know, I get we're a small market team, but like you guys have mentioned, I mean, we know Pittsburgh is a very big market sports team. I, I mean, you know, any any other teams, they, they get the, the national recognition and attention and think this is a perfect opportunity for us to showcase what could be the best matchup in the NFL that we've seen this year so far. So I, I also don't understand it. The NFL has flexed some other games, so it's just like, why not flex us? You know, Tony is a football fan. You can tell hearing him talk three hours uh, every Sunday. Uh, I know he's disappointed because uh, he would be giddy at this game. I, I don't know what it is. Like I said, maybe there's other factors, but just figure it out, right? Yeah, I mean, well, and <laughs> at the end of the day, at the end of the day, he's going to have fun out in wine country with uh, with Nance, and they'll probably play golf. But honestly, it's going to be seventy nine at kickoff here. It's going to be nice, and they're going to they wish they were watching this game. I'm glad we're going to get to watch. It's going to be a blast. It's disappointing. A lot of people wanted to watch this game three weeks ago, but honestly, that kind of worked out not for the players and the moving around, but as far as the viewing and just where we're at and how well we've played in the two weeks since. It's going to be a lot of fun. Let's talk about the Steelers. A lot of people know about the Steelers how good they are, 
the strength of their team, although Roethlisberger has made a, a really nice comeback, I think he'd be comeback player of the year uh, if that voting was today. He has looked good. The defense, which we saw shine last year, they were basically, that was the entire team last year. Uh, even with, with Devin Bush's injury, very, very good defense, right, John? Yeah, oh, they're incredibly sound on defense, and that's one thing you can always expect from a Pittsburgh team. You know, they're going to have a really good defense. You know, you mentioned Minka Fitzpatrick. He's playing at a really high level. He's had quite a few, uh, you know, quite a few picks, let alone pick sixes this year. So it's something that I get worried about. Joe Hayden, TJ Watt, Cam Hayward, they've got a lot of these pieces that they might not be like a one-man wrecking crew, but together they are very stout in both the run and pass game. So it's something we always have to be aware of. Right. I don't think they've looked as good in their back seven on defense mm-hmm. uh, as they have before. Mika Fitzpatrick is very good. Other than that, they've just been okay. I know we'll talk about that. But, Landon, their strength is our weakness, and I know we were really valiant. And I've been really critical at times of our offensive line. I, we're not performing at that level, but it's just like with the injury to Lawan, we're just shorthanded and a little thin gutsy for sure their strength is cam hayward steven to tj watt who is i think the best through uh five games the best defensive player that doesn't play for the la rams in our league and he's the best pass rusher in our league so far and then even guys that come off the bench uh, tyson Olo, do, you, do you remember him john from 10 years ago he's drafted 10th overall from cal by jacksonville this guy plays a little more than a third of their snaps and is the highest-rated defensive lineman in football by Pro Football Focus, and the guy's a beast, and we'll see them. They come at you with four really strong guys. I didn't even mention Bud Dupree. Mm-hmm. So, Landon, I got to say, we match up pretty well with them, but that that's the scary part, right, their defensive line. Oh, for sure. One of T.J. Watt and Bud Dupree, both of which, like you said, have been playing at a Pro Bowl level, is going to be matched up against Ty Sambrello. And I don't know if we want to have to commit a running back or tight end every single passing play on that side. But at the same time, I hope we Sam Brelo yeah. just isn't athletic enough to keep up with those guys. And if you're having to make that concession to a defense just at, at the most basic level, you've already lost. And I do think we do have the advantage at receiver. This is going to be our first game with a fully healthy receiving core. A.J. Brown was hurt week one. In the past two weeks, we've missed Corey Davis. So I think if – we work our way around a quick passing game, get it out quick, utilize our talent advantage. With no Devin Bush, Johnny Smith and Ferks are going to have a big day, I feel. If we ever get to the point where they stop the run, we're in longer down distances, we're going to have to hold on to the ball. That's when you get really scared. They're first in sacks and first in pressures. This isn't per game. This is total. They've only played five games. They're almost slapping the field with how good they are. They're the first team since the 85 Giants to have three sacks and interception in their first five games. And when you're the first team to do what a team with prime Lawrence Taylor has done, you're really freaking good. And in a season when defense just isn't being played, like I said, they're lapping the field. They're going to be the best defense we've played all year. It's going to be our toughest test of the year. Watching the tape on last week, of course, the Steelers outclassed the Browns, mm-hmm. but TJ Watt, made Jack Conklin look like he belonged to our practice <laughs> squad. I mean, literally, it's not – I mean, he made him look bad. In your playing days, when you had a dominant guy lining up, I mean, what's the game plan? Dennis Kelly, I know, is gutsy. Uh, John was talking about on the other side, giving him some help. But 
what's the Titans game plan going to be to stifle a guy that's that good? Yeah, I think, you know, you're going to see a lot of we do really well um, to kind of catch him trying to get upfield. And that's when you kind of just toss it over his head. Now, a guy like TJ Watt, though, um, you got to watch out because he can easily just jump up and tip some balls or, you know, bat down a ball and give somebody an interception. So it's a really hard thing. The other thing, too, that I always love to do, and, you know, it's conventional wisdom. It doesn't make sense. But usually you run right at the the best player. So, uh, you know, and hopefully you can right. just, uh, you know, like having Derrick Henry run right at TJ Watt and then Dennis Kelly's job is kind of minimalized. He just has to kind of guide TJ Watt away from the play for a second rather than hold the block for a long period of time. I expect a big day from Derrick Henry. The best way to neutralize a good defense is very long drives, get them tired on the field. Unfortunately, they have a lot of guys that can rotate in to keep guys fresh, and that kind of sucks for us. Yeah. But um, at the same time, maybe maybe we'll see some no huddle to force them to keep guys on the field. So that's kind of what I'm thinking. I'm thinking a, a heavy dose of Derrick Henry, a lot of no huddle stuff, long drives, and keeping the explosive Pittsburgh offense off the field, which I'm sure we're going to talk about in a little bit. But. Play action is going to be our best friend, and the use of our tight ends, absolutely. Uh, that That's going to be it, but we're going to have our hands full. We've got our own things to throw at them. They have their weaknesses, too, although they're a Super Bowl contender. I want everybody to know that if they didn't already. This is a team that could go the distance. What happened to them last year proved what a good coach that they have, Mike Tomlin, and it proved how good this young defense is. And now they've put Humpty Dumpty back together again, and Ben Roethlisberger benefited from a year off. Uh, He knows he's towards the end one way or the other of being super competitive, and he's good, not great, but that's all he needs to look at is good. And the weapons he has, Landon, uh, let's talk about their strengths. I know you're worried about our defensive backfield, their receiving core. I mean, I forgot about James Washington. I literally – Last week, saw him catching passes. I forgot about him. And Landon just said, uh, he's buried. It seems like Chase Claypool has emerged as the wide receiver one. And he's 90% of DK Metcalf as an athletic freak. And he's been unstoppable the past couple games. They also use him in the run game, which adds another wrinkle. Their wide receiver, too, is probably Juju Smith-Schuster, who he's been bottled up, but he's been getting cornerback one attention. He's been gracious about his lack of opportunity. They're winning games. He's productive when they go to him. Then their wide receiver three, who's missed three games due to leaving early due to injury, is Deontay Johnson, who through the first two games was their wide receiver one and was blowing up. If he can stay healthy, like you said, James Washington's wide receiver four, they've got three guys I think have a speed advantage on everyone in our cornerback room except for Adoree Jackson. Even Adoree Jackson might only be 75% of himself. So, yeah, they've got a lot of weapons. We know that James Conner doesn't get – he doesn't get the credit. He's a poor man's Derrick Henry. Uh, he just uh, he doesn't have the ability to go on those long runs. But I'm telling you, this guy is the tone setter. He holds the rope for our offense because he will beat you over the head. The guy is like a human hammer. And uh, we all admire him for, you know, kind of what he's gone through uh, with his health and everything. But the guy is a very tough out, although he's not one of the more explosive halfbacks in this league. The guy comes, comes with it. Ben does Ben things. Uh, Ebron disappointed me last week with some drops. Uh, they don't, they're not as good at tight end as they typically are. That's going to be helpful to us. But their weakness to me is their offensive line is like ours. Uh, gutsy guys, they go as a unit. You know, they're really good, John, weirdly. They grade out really well against the pass. They are not good at run blocking, which is a very non pittsburgh thing. 
but they built this team for years around Big Ben, and they know what he's doing, and they know how to protect him. So it's going to be really important for our guys on the defensive line, and they played well. Jeffrey Simmons is kind of elevating himself into one of the, I think, great players in this league. That's the trajectory I see him on uh, this season. But we're going to need him to, as a defensive line, John, it's going to be really important. Their weakness is run blocking. We're going to have to exploit that. We can't let Connor or anybody else get on any, any long runs. or, or Yeah, or oh, no, I agree. Their, their pass blocking is much better than their run blocking. Big Ben's only been sacked eight, time this, eight times this year through, eight, through five games. So it kind of just highlights that they've really protected him well. He's getting the ball out quick. So you're right. We do have to sack that running game. And, uh, you know, we have to watch out for our own medicine. We can't get sucked in with too much play action because they have the opportunity to play that really well. As, oh, and, there's no question. You know, giving yeah. those receivers, the speedy guys that they have, an extra – you know, second or two through the play action, it's very dangerous. And like Landon said, our corners don't really match up well with them. So unfortunately, I expect to give a lot of cushion, which is what we've been doing. And this is how teams convert a billion first downs on us. They, you know, they find their guys at the sticks on these comeback routes because they know that they're going to get a big cushion against the Titans quarterbacks. But yeah, no, I think we have to attack the run. We have to be physical. Everybody on our roster knows the importance of this game. And, you know, I'm sure they've seen the headlines where every single time there's been a matchup between the unbeatens at this point in the season, the winner of this game goes on to win the Super Bowl. It's a little bit of superstition and conspiracy theory here, but, and I don't want to drink the Kool-Aid, but even just the fact that, you know, the talking heads Mm -hmm. are, are making these comments and pointing out these facts, significant because it just relays the importance of this game and one thing that i always love is our ability to get up for big games and mike rabel's ability to get this team ready so we're just going to be aggressive on defense against the run and against the pass and we might give up some big plays but i think we're going to adapt and kind of fit to that bend don't break mentality if we can protect Ryan Tannehill this week, I think that we can we really play in this game. That's going to be yet to see. That is the big thing I'm telling you guys. This Steelers team is very good. Uh, I love your point about this game is going to be a big litmus test for both and maybe have a say about things in January and February. But this game could benefit both teams sure. to see where they're at. Injuries aside, this is going to be a big litmus test. And we know that we have grown a lot from this time last year to where we ended last season. Uh, but uh, this is a different team in, in a different way. We have a target on our back now, officially. So we'll, we'll see. I think we have the kind of leadership on the field and on the sidelines that's going to grow from this win or loss. This Steelers team, it's tough for me to brag on them, but just being objective, I think you guys both agree. This could be a Super Bowl team. Uh, that's why I want to play them. I want to see where we stand up and, and grow from there. This team reminds me of our 99 team. The Steelers kind of got away from where they were. If you think about us uh, during the Steve McNair, Eddie George years, they had gone uh, a different direction, right? You think about the guys that were running backs, the small running backs, and and uh, they still had the character and the program and everything and uh, who they had quarterback. After that, I really think people talk about the Steelers as a blueprint and as a blueprint for us historically. I think what we did going to a Super Bowl and what we did in the early 2000s, I think that was a blueprint for the Steelers to know, hey, what we invented could still work. And then you saw them draft Ben Roethlisberger, which is not – he's not a whole lot unlike Steve McNair. He's big, came from a small school, and he's just – his instincts and athleticism really are, are what made him great, just kind of like he's that backyard-type player. James Conner is, uh, is a poor man's Eddie George. 
and the way they built this team out and they have really just kind of developed their own type of skill position guys, it makes you kind of, it's reminiscent of that. Even 5-0, and they're a little under the radar. There are three or four teams that get mentioned in front of the team right now, and I don't think that's the case. I think there's a tier, and we're going to find out if we're in that top tier on Sunday. There's a tier of four or five teams, I think, that are, are the class of the NFL so far. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I mean, looking at our teams, there are a lot of similarities, uh, you know, throughout the years and kind of how they've always adapted. One thing that I'm always in awe of is Pittsburgh Steelers, their ability to have depth at receiver. Look how far back that goes when it's like Heinz Ward, they have Mike Wallace waiting in the wings and Mike Wallace becomes the one. They have Antonio Brown waiting in the wings and Antonio Brown's the one and they have Juju in the wings. Now Juju's the one they've got Claypool in the wings. There's always somebody else. And I'm just continuously like dumbfounded at the the ability uh, of them to get these guys that aren't necessarily, they're not first round guys. They're, not a guy you right. mentioned was a first-round <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's it's just wild. And, you know, I actually – I love Juju coming out, and I was – my hope for that 2017 draft class was for us to get a Dory and Juju, both from USC that year. It didn't work out, but, you know, that was my hope for us to – you know, I didn't want Juju as a first-round guy. You know, I really wanted them both as a package deal. And I know that our fan base, they all – you know, all of them clamor for Juju since he'll be in a contract year, and I've seen a lot of – post things like let's go get juju and you know because he's polarizing he does really well and he does a lot of great things um and it's it's just a credit to the Steelers organization and how they draft and develop young talent and I just am continuously in awe of that and you know we see the same thing on defense they they draft guys they get a lot out of them and they always have somebody ready to go next and they can sometimes land these big free agents and trades like Minka Fitzpatrick and Joe Hayden. They're always able to reload quick. And it's just something that you always have to be in awe of. And, you know, when you have a quarterback like Ben Roethlisberger, you're set for, you know, his entire career. He's not going to leave. That's the franchise that if you get, if you get drafted there and do well, you're there for your whole career. And they treat their guys right as far as, you know, legacy perspectives. And Big Ben is a hall of famer. He's, I think he's a first ballot guy. No doubt. So it's just, yeah, yeah it's just, it's just, balls, you know, yeah. no, no doubt. As much as I, you know, I think you mentioned it a, a couple of weeks ago, or maybe it was even our last one we did together, where my hatred for a team just means that they're really good. So, you know, of course, I've got the whole Pennsylvania rivalry thing going, which is the reason, a reason why I hate the Steelers, but I hate them because they're good. They've won Super Bowls, they look incredible every single right. year, they don't really have too many down years. Um, and, and I'm, I'm envious of that. I will, I want that for our fan base. I want that for our team tip of the cap to the Steelers. That's a, that's a real reason why I dislike them. You mentioned they just find the next guy that fits what they do. They've been doing it for 50 years, literally. And this team kind of the guys they pick and the imprint, uh, and they've developed, you go back to Lynn Swan. I mean, you could just go way, way back. Uh, we've done that for four years and it's been impressive and we've, uh, lauded, uh, John Robinson for how he's finding the right fits and doing that. But imagine uh, if a team had been doing that 10 times as long. It's just really impressive because uh, I, I think it's great we've been doing it as long as we have. It's obviously not easy or other teams would do it, but they produced more uh, skill talent where other teams just pay and pay and pay and don't get it right. So you got to hand it to them. I can't wait for this heavyweight fight Sunday. I want us to win. Landon, if we win this game, let's talk about our strengths. Who's got to show out? What has to happen for us to win? Well, it obviously comes down to Tannehill. Looking at the Steelers this year, 
they really had two games where they were really pushed and you thought they might lose against the Texans and Eagles. They handled the Giants easily. They let the Brandon Allen Broncos hang along too, too long, and they beat down the May- Baker Mayfield Browns. On the other hand, Deshaun Watson and Carson Wentz kept it close. Obviously, the correlation is when they're facing an above-average quarterback, and Dan Hill is a great quarterback, probably statistically the third-best quarterback this year. When you're facing a great quarterback, right. their defense, it still, gets, it still makes its plays, but it's not suffocating. It gives up plays. That comes down to the cornerbacks. Tannehill finally has a fully healthy roster of offensive weapons, even though he lost the one. Get the ball out fast. His pocket presence is greatly improved. He avoids sacks. He's going to have to do that. As long as he doesn't make any backbreaking, stupid throws like Baker Mayfield last week, which he hasn't done, we're going to be competitive. And if this game is competitive, win or lose, Tannehill has going to, is going to have a big game. And if he wins, he's going to be firmly in the MVP conversation for slaying the indomitable Steelers defense. John, he makes an excellent point. And last week we mentioned if we were going to beat uh, the Texans, we're going to need to exploit them down the field. This week, we're just going to need Tannehill to survive the line of scrimmage and exploit what I think is, besides Mika Fitzpatrick, a backstab. Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, I think game plan is similar to last last week. I, I think we're going to have some, some big plays uh, down the field. Well, he doesn't need to go downhill. Let me clarify. He just needs to survive. It yeah, right. So, I was going to say, he needs man, to be efficient. I mean. He needs to find exactly everything that's given to right. him. Um, and, you know, occasionally, if you keep hitting those routes, that big play will open up. And he also needs Derrick Henry to run like a madman and, like I said earlier, keep the clock rolling right. and keep that offense off the field and keep the defense on the field and get them tired. That's what's going to get them. It, in Pittsburgh right, right. now, <laughs> I don't know the exact weather, but I'm sure it's not 80 degrees and sunny. It's going to be a lot different than what they're used right. to in the fall. It's it's a different mentality, and it's going to be warmer than they than they like. And you know, it, people, players are going to get exhausted a little bit more. So I, I really want us to to keep that clock running, score. I don't want to. I don't want. I, I almost. I hesitate from saying delay scoring, but I want these long drives that, that result in touchdowns. Uh, and, and, you know, I just want us to continuously run that clock out and to be efficient. And I think Tannehill has proven that he can do that. And, you know, the Steelers are the best defense and offense that we face, and we are probably uh, the best offense that they face, maybe even the best defense in, that they face. We've held uh, our past opponents under 20 points. So I don't, I don't know. It's, a different clash of 5-0 and teams. We're both seeing different things for the first time this year. So I think there's a lot at right. stake. And uh, like, yeah, kind of like you said, down the field, uh, take what's given uh, and, and be pretty efficient on, the, on, on offense. Derek Henry doesn't need to run for 200 yards. It'd be great if he did. <laughs> I don't see that for him. But he needs to keep the running game alive and run tough enough and hard enough to keep credibility with play action because I really think the only way Tannehill is going to have time to, to, to really explore a big play is with play action. Play action goes out the door in the second half if, mm-hmm. if you know you have to pass. So we're going to have to keep it close, and uh, Henry is going, to, it's going to, he's going to have a long day. But I think if we end the day where he has 22 rushes for three and a half yards to carry, that's not necessarily a bad thing. That means that they kept running. I think that's that's going to be a result in a win for us or at least put us in there. I think this, if we can hang with them, this will be a close game. It'll come down to like close games do. Turnovers, big plays, and special teams. So can't wait to see this. 
boy, I know our fan base is just super psyched for this game. Uh, you don't have to give me a number, but your gut feeling, John, uh, do you think we win I this do. game Sunday? Uh, you know, I would be – I wouldn't be the Titans fan I am today if I didn't believe we were going to win. I think it'll be close. I think it'll be high-scoring affair, regardless of what we think our game plans are going to be. I think we're going to – I think both teams are going to score a lot of points. Um, but I like our chances in a close game always. Landon, what's your It's sad to say, that? but I think it'll be a pretty close loss in the end. All right, so wait, Landon picked Steelers to win, so that means we are going to win. Oh, Landon, you are conservative. I like that you always mm. go with your head, not your heart, and that's what he's saying. But, yeah, Landon uh, has called it <laughs> right, though, a few times, uh, unfortunately. But... All right, guys, let's talk like we do every week, uh, a little bit of fantasy. Uh, whether you're playing DraftKings or Weekly or in your fantasy league, uh, this may be a guy you pick up or a guy you make sure and start. But let's talk about who just jumps out at you this week in fantasy. We'll start Scary with Scary Terry McLaurin Landon. on DraftKings, he's only 5,800. He's a top 10 receiver in terms of receiving yards per game. And that's with probably the worst, we're the second worst quarterback room in football because the Jets just can't be being at something for once. But he finally gets Kyle Allen for a full game. Dallas is the second worst against receivers. Their defense is, it's not the worst, but it's definitely in that bottom, bottom tier. And we saw against the Cardinals, even when Kyler Murray had a poor game, his receivers went off and. McLaurin is going to get a higher target share, a higher volume. It's going to be a competitive game. He's got the speed to burn. For a guy who's not being seen as a wide receiver one, a top 12 wide receiver, I think he's an easy top eight wide receiver just in terms of the volume and the matchup. Man, uh, you know, in DraftKings, he's not uh, really – he's – He's not really low priced, but I love the thought of Kyler Murray going against the Seahawks on Sunday Night Football. You know, I mean, Seahawks are arguably yeah. the worst passing defense right now, and Kyler Murray is so exciting to watch. I know we were flipping between games last week, and I was texting you guys, and I was like, this dude looks so quick. <laughs> it's just unreal. But the way he's able to find his big play receivers like DeAndre Hopkins, Christian Kirk, and just I think he's going to have a field day. Well, the thing about Kyler Murray is he's been so successful. His floor has been so high in fantasy this season. And with the matchup that he has, uh, Landon, you kind of have to start him because even if he doesn't do that well, so many guys that you're playing this week are going to play him that if he does well and you didn't play him, you're done because everybody else is going to have him. So, And if he doesn't do well, you're not going to be alone. So it's going to be about I think you plug him in and you just try to find value other places. Yes, he's $7,100, but that's not killer. And just the guy, Seattle has been so bad against the pass this year, and he has literally been – he's averaged 28 <laughs> fantasy points. Average 28 it, fantasy It's just like you said, the combination of the matchup, his consistency, his, his rushing volume. I, I think looking at the matchup, he should be the quarterback one in terms of cost, but they default to name brand, and that gets some people. But for a guy who's had, hasn't busted, hasn't had a bad game, as literally the most favorable matchup possible, it just makes too much sense. I personally, in our little weekly contest we do between a group of friends, I won't be going with them because I want to try out some different stacking players, but I'm sure almost all of you guys are going to have Kyler Murray because it just makes way too much sense. <laughs> all right, guys, we can't leave without talking about the Ngakwe trade. It first seems so weird, but, of course, he was traded for a second-round pick and then a later-round pick to Minnesota – they thought they were all in 
uh, for a Super Bowl. That obviously with injuries and, and play of Kirk Cousins has not happened. I think that Titanic is going down and the Vikings are on it. So they've cut. They with that. They didn't sign him to a big time extension, so they don't have to eat a lot of money. So that's really really interesting. They recoup. Uh, they basically paid the difference between a second round and a third round pick to have him for five games. I think he had four sacks in five games or five sacks in six <laughs> games. John, let's get your thoughts first. I mean, that's surprised you, I know. Um, New man left the Minnesota Vikings. Um, I, you know, <laughs> I, I'm very just – I'm impressed at the amount of draft picks that he's been worth. You know, what's his four draft picks now? Just the, his value. And, you know, obviously – I think the Ravens unfortunately get a steal here and I'm just so sick of the Ravens getting these all pro kind of guys for these later round picks. It's just mind boggling to me and it's a monopoly on the free agency, free agent market. I I can't, I can't, not even free agent, not free agent market, but it's a monopoly on the trade market. It's they keep getting better. I think in will thrive with the Ravens. The like you said, the Vikings are a hot mess, and they're probably looking at a full rebuild outside of Justin Jefferson and, and Adam Thielen and Dalvin Cook. <laughs> so they they unload Ngakwe's rest of his salary, and you know the Ravens get him on a cheap deal, renting him for the rest of the season, and then they can decide what they want to do. I just wish we made moves like that. Well, we didn't really have a cap room for it, uh, even though we did some restructuring. But Landon, Baltimore is always in position yeah, to and, get players like this. Uh, w- with the desperation of other yeah, teams, it speaks to the value of having a, a great quarterback on a rookie deal where they can trade for a guy who's on the tag. While they also have Matthew Judon, who's also playing on the franchise tag. And even if Ngakwe leaves, it's fine because they have the cap room because they're not paying Lamar Jackson $40 million like he will be making in a few years. And they're getting a Pro Bowl-level pass rusher. Now, he's a poor run defender, but he's a really good pass rusher, and that's what they need. They have to blitz, and they have to use their secondary a lot to get pressure and sacks. So even if he leaves, which I think is really likely, they they traded a third-round pick, which is probably going to be pick 90 or so, for a guy who's made the Pro Bowl, who's great at forcing fumbles, who fills their biggest need on their entire roster, and they're just going all in like what the Eagles did with Carson Wentz. You take your window, worst-case scenario, you've got – an MVP-level quarterback that you can build around. And even if you don't have a ton of cap space, you've got the biggest gym in, in football. Yeah. You pay a third-round pick to try to win the Super Bowl, and it could easily come down to, do they have another pass rusher? Could they get after somebody? You do that every time. And it's smart for them. It's smart that they were had that flexibility. Like you said, the quarterback contract helps. It's going to be really, really interesting in the AFC this year. Uh, that's all the time that we have for today. We covered a lot. Obviously, going to be a big game, CBS, Sunday at noon. Uh, we love all of our listeners. We really appreciate this. We do this for you guys, and uh, we want you to follow us whatever way you listen. Uh, we don't advertise. We don't do a bunch of stuff. Uh, this is all kind of grassroots, and uh, it's just amazing how many of you that are out there. But please uh, just share this on your phone to somebody that hasn't listened to us before that is a big Titans fan. We would really appreciate that. And uh, Guys, we'll be back with you soon. We'll be talking about the reaction uh, to this game, they're lost, and boys, tying up. up.